today. Our Coffee Talk guest is Kim Wright. She is founder and principal of Wright Strategies. For nearly 20 years, Kim has worked as a public affairs advisor to national and international clients at all three levels of government across the country. Welcome, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. So, Kim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Did you grow up in Toronto? Uh, Yeah. What's your relationship with the city? Oh, it's a it's a love affair. But actually, my story grew up on a I grew up on a dirt road in a small town and the uh, outside of outside of Windsor. So about 40 minutes outside of Windsor and uh, grew up uh, in a really cool town originally, uh, originally outside of Merlin, then moved to Tilbury. And then, or as I like to call it, the other TO, uh, <laughs> and then found myself uh, in politics. Oh gosh, in 1990, yeah, I was that kid who's who just found politics and found the love of what you could do to help build your community, and then kept growing and doing and working on campaigns and went away to school like so many people do, and uh, found myself uh, in Toronto and never really left. Wow. I love that. Tell me about this love affair with politics. I mean, some people run the other way when they hear that word. <laughs> Why did you run towards it? It really is about how do you how do you help build your community? How do you mm. look at the things that are not working for people, not working for your own family? You know, politics doesn't have to be this really ivory tower or highfalutin thing. It's really about the things we experience every day. I always say about municipal affairs, if you can see it, smell it, touch it, experience it, probably City Hall has something to do with it. And so you can take the TTC, you can go out and get your, see what the, what your view in the city looks like. You can do all sorts of things. And really, how do you help build build people up and build that community. That's the way I've taken it. I've always said to people who are in politics, and it doesn't matter what level of government, that they should also spend a week working in a constituency office Mm. because the decisions politicians make have such a profound impact on people's lives, sometimes with unintended consequences. So when you see people at their most vulnerable, when you see them struggling and you see them struggling with the decisions that these politicians have made, it really does matter immensely. And so I've been lucky to have extraordinary experiences, some heart-wrenching, some amazing, and really finding solutions to move forward. And that's how I ended up in politics. What was your first maybe foray into the political world as a young person? It, it was, uh, I worked on, as I said, I worked on a campaign in 1990 and we were, I worked on a lot of campaigns over the years and it was really about the people that were there, people who come together for campaigns. You learn a lot of things. You, for me, I have always been fascinated by, by people, their experiences, what motivates them, what's, you know, how, how did you get here? What was your biggest win? What was your most extraordinary moment? And when you can find that humanity through it, it's sustained me through wins and losses and 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 really looking at it at, from a from a more human way and building that not only geographic community, but emotional community. And I've taken that throughout my career as well. I love the excitement in your voice, Kim, as you talk about just the political world, because Again, I think there can be such negative connotations. There could be this feeling of, you know, these are people that just want to take money and, uh, you know, 
exploit their power. Like there are just so many nuances to how people see and interact with the political world. What would you say, as you talked about the human aspect of being in the political realm, what would you say has been that moment where you've seen politics really work in the way that it was created to work, where you've seen the system actually rise to the occasion and seen it in, in the light that it's supposed to be seen in? You know, there are so many things that I've gotten a chance to work with uh, as part of my career. And I, I people always talk about how slow council moves or mm. how slow politics moves. And I always I always remind them that uh, former mayor David Miller decided we were Toronto was going to go after the under 18 men's uh, soccer championships, but we didn't have a soccer stadium. So from that announcement and pronouncement to opening day, it was nine months. And mm-hmm. so you can do things very interestingly. But more personal to me and more recently, um, there's a, a youth shelter that's based in North Etobicoke called Youth Without Shelter. They do extraordinary things, and I'm I'm privileged to get to collaborate with them. But recently, they bought a rooming house downtown. And as we all know, real estate is painfully expensive. Mm. And in collaboration with then local councillor Mike Layton and councillor Mike Ford and city council, uh, we were able to find money through section 37 agreements. And we were able to buy this rooming house that now houses these kids who are these kids who are in a stay in school program. So people are doing extraordinary things. And when, and when politics is at its best, it partially gets out of the way, but also helps lift them up to get there. And and so getting to do things like that are really fascinating to me and, and really heartwarming. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, tell me what a public affairs advisor does. Uh, you know, we're part translator, part navigator. Uh, I am not as cool as Olivia Pope on Scandal <laughs> or any of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we do is help people navigate through various levels of government. Sometimes it's far too complicated. Sometimes there are entrenched views. Oh, staff say this, you know, your colleagues say this, the perceptions are too hard to break down. But really, when I come into a situation, it's, okay, so how do we get to an answer, be it yes or whatever? How do we find the the humanity in it? And how do we make this, how do we make this a reality? And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, finding those, uh, finding that those resources, finding those, those people to be champions. Um, and sometimes, well, frankly, sometimes politicians do things that not, aren't always in the best of public interest or, and, and we find solutions to help them climb down. So it's, uh, as my old boss said, everything I loved about politics, uh, but with a little less constituency work, um, but but really it's finding those people, finding those, finding those solutions to move forward. And I've gotten to work from everyone from Tim Hortons and the development community in Uber Canada, as I said, to also a youth shelter and people who are just trying to do really cool things. Now, would this be the same as a lobbyist, essentially? Is- it- it it is, and yeah. for listeners who are following me on uh, on on Twitter, my handle is Lobby Girl. Yeah. I I don't find the term lobbyist as um, as gross, I guess, as some people try to make it out to be. Really, what we are are just people who 
who have figured out how to speak the language of business, community, and politics and find solutions to go forward. And the funny thing is where the term started originally of lobbyists was they were hanging out in the lobbies of, of where people lived mm-hmm. in the, ho- the hotels and, and lobbies of, of, of uh, political places, uh, city halls and, and legislatures. And we would just talk to people. <laughs> that was the evolution of it. It sounds a lot more. It, it people try to make it sound this dodgy thing, but but really, we uh, we're part of that conversation. Well, that was giving my next question. How has the term kind of been misunderstood, and maybe now taking you know the term of public affairs advisor is probably a little bit more maybe dampens the the uh, misunderstanding that people have when it comes to the term lobbyist. Uh, so, what are some maybe um, assumptions that people have about the work that you do and how you've seen it to be able to move the needle, like you described to this, you know, group in Etobicoke and the fact that you've been able to purchase this uh, rooming house. I mean, that's that's influential and that's something that's going to change the landscape of our city and a group of people that need that. But maybe talk to us about some of the misunderstandings and and, and uh, assumptions people have. Yeah, there are some people who have these assumptions that we've got, you know, envelopes full of cash and that everything is about access and pay for play and and that we do dodgy things to twist the arms of people. Frankly, nothing can be further from the truth. Mm. The reality is because many of us have been around so long and understand the process so well, we can help people navigate through those systems, including sometimes politicians who don't quite know what to do. The project seems overwhelming. The the uh, opposition seems overwhelming. And sometimes people think it's easier just to do nothing. And our job most often is to say, no, here's a solution and a path forward. You know, I think back to one of my first wins in in government relations and politics, public affairs. Um, the city of Toronto wanted to ban coffee cups, but it had no plan for what, where were we supposed to put those coffee cups and where were we supposed to put our coffee each day? And so what we looked at were what were other jurisdictions doing? How could you recycle? How could you deal with the deal with the coffee cups themselves? How could you offer solutions in store to encourage people to bring travel mugs and and use porcelain mugs? And then also those those uh, those garbage sorters that you see at at a Tim Hortons now were part of that discussion. So we gave people solutions, we gave people options, and we moved away from the no, we need just to ban things outright to how do we move forward and make this actually work for people? So those are the kinds of things we we in the public affairs space come up with. We're not trying to manipulate or twist things. Nothing could be further from the truth. You wouldn't have a long career if that was your goal. Our job is to find the best solutions for everybody to move forward. And sometimes it feels like it's a little Pollyanna when I say it that way. But those of us who do this and do this well, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, Kim, you know, some of the, you know, looking at the headlines this past week, uh, there were a number of people that were disappointed with the provincial budget um, and not speaking into what all of us are struggling with, and that's inflation, the price of groceries, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, what stood out to you with the provincial budget this past week, and what are you hoping to see with the federal uh, government's budget that will be uh, dropped on Tuesday? Yeah, I I was disappointed to see a 
not enough investment into our municipalities, including Toronto. One of the things that the province did recently, and while I applaud them for pushing for more housing to be built, taking away development charges from municipalities, which is how we pay for roads and and sewers and, you know, all the not glamorous parts of how you build a city. Uh, so I was actually hoping to see more money coming from the province to pay for that, as well as support. They did do some work on supportive housing, so I'll applaud them on that. But I also criticized the government yesterday in that they they snuck in a bit of a cut uh, to services uh, when we look at uh, doctors being able to support those without an OHIP card. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe new immigrants, maybe those who haven't uh, haven't gone through the process, maybe those who are scared to go through a process. And they're saying, well, if it's catastrophic, they can come. But we all know that more preventative medicines, having a family doctor uh, can get at many more uh, issues without being uh, as costly to taxpayers. So this was a foolish and not, frankly, necessary cut uh, in our healthcare system that the government hoped nobody would notice and, and people did notice. And, and I think that's a that's a disappointment to me. I will always say, show me your budget and I'll show you your values. Mm. What, you in, what you invest in, the services that you invest in, the types of community building we invest in, those are the things that tell the story more than historic investments. Okay, historic is great. But what are you putting the money into and how are you benefiting the people that we all serve in politics and public affairs and in life? That's what people are looking for. And now that we're seeing the details come out about some of the some of the program cuts uh, that don't seem like a big deal on paper because they're not actually a big line item in the budget, but they matter immensely to people's lives. So I'm looking for both of those things in in the federal government. Again, programming that that benefits communities and individuals. But also, you know, we need a lot more services here in Toronto for people who are coming in as as, as settlement services have been woefully underfunded. Um, Making sure that municipalities have what they can when people show up in Toronto and in Mississauga and in Brampton and other places to to integrate into community, but also that they're just taken care of. So they're not just going into a shelter system, but they're actually being supported as they're going through this process. And again, we need to do much more on shelter and supportive housing. Everyone recognizes that when we walk through any neighborhood, we're seeing more and more and more and confronted with uh, how people have ended up uh, unhoused and feeling unsafe in various systems. So we need to figure out how do we get back to those original uh, helping people, which is what government was designed for. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, all Torontonians were watching for that, as you uh, poignantly said, the, the the disappointment in not seeing more funding uh, being given to the city. Uh, I know, you know, there are a number of people who are running for mayor who are also watching uh, the provincial budget as well. What will uh, you be listening to when it comes to the candidates uh, that have you know, put their hat in the ring so far. We are anticipating more people will uh, be running for for mayor of Toronto. Uh, What will you be listening to um, as they handle, um, you know, just the talking points around this complex relationship that the city has with the province? The fact that, you know, we need 
about $510 million from the province and yet didn't see that. Hopefully we'll see that. We've heard for the finance minister that they will continue conversations, want to support uh, the city of Toronto. Uh, but I feel like this is one of those linchpins. What this is, this is the conversation that many of these candidates really need to hone in on is how they manage. If you want to be the mayor of the largest city in the country, how are you going to manage the relationship with uh, the province and the feds when it comes to financings? What will you be listening to? Yeah, and that's exactly it. And this notion from the premier who used to be a city councillor and whose brother used to be the mayor, oh, well, we need more audits before we can give you more money. They know where the situation is. They know where the pinch points are. And they could have done this. They chose not to. And they're using audits as a a way to... give a talking point to why they're not actually giving money back to cities. And I think that's very problematic for the province. But moving towards this very robust field, we're going to call it, of uh, of mayoralty mm. candidates, I actually want them to move beyond talking points. I want them to move beyond this being a U of T debate society conversation. What are you going to do? How do you think that you can utilize the levers uh, that Toronto City Council have, mobilize your municipal leaders across the country, and actually come forward and say, here's how we're going to address housing. Here's how we're going to move forward on environment. Here's how we're going to make sure that that our communities have the things that they need. Don't give me, don't give me the, the talking points and the focused grouped answers. Tell me what you believe passionately and what you're going to move forward because lots of people can write a press release and lots of people can write a tweet. I will expect more from the mayor. How are they going to work with their colleagues at council? This is a this is a fascinating place where you can actually collaborate with people across the political spectrum. So if you only go back into partisan talking points, which might win you the election, but there's a lot of governing to be done. So uh, when I talk to when I talk to mayoralty candidates and their and their team, those are the things I'm telling them. Tell me why you want to do this. What's going to motivate you? What are your priorities? And how are you actually going to move forward on them? And if they don't actually know, if they're just going back into entrenched talking points or, well, you know, we're going to hold their feet to the fire, that's not good enough. We need more tangibles than that, especially because... The new mayor, whomever that person is going to be, doesn't have the luxury of a transition period. They have to hit the ground running. And that's what I'm and that's what I'm looking for. And as I said, you know, I don't what I love about municipal politics is I don't have to worry about the partisan stripes and listeners will know I can be a fierce partisan. But what I love about what I get to do every day in my job, and in particular when I deal with municipal, is that I can just bring together really great ideas from across the spectrum, get to know really fascinating, amazing people from across the political spectrum. Heck, I just last week married a conservative, uh, which on paper, (laughs) my, uh, you know. My my friends list my the group of people who are around me my my now husband, uh, you know, well how could you possibly get along? Because in politics it really doesn't it it, it really is about how do you move forward with people. At least that's the way I look at it. Mm. And how do you cheer these good ideas, good people, um, and good solutions forward? But hopefully the uh, hopefully the mayoralty candidates will come forward with some pretty good solutions of how to move forward with council. I love it. I think you're right on the money when it comes to standing outside of the box, right? And and stepping outside and saying, okay, can we look at this in a broader sense? 
as uh, as a mayor and uh, bring other ideas to the table because I think that's what the city needs. Kim, it was such a delight. Our time has just flown by. So appreciated you being on the show. I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. And I'll just say one more thing, because as we all know, we've got a major crime problem happening yep. in this city and there it requires a lot of things. And there's this line from this the TV show, The West Wing, crime, boy, I don't know. If the mayoralty candidates are coming forward saying we need another task force or just mm. shrugging their shoulders at it or just saying it has to be all police or all this or all that, mm -hmm. they are missing the moment. They are missing the mark. And they have such a better opportunity. We know what needs to happen. Do we have the political will to actually move forward in helping make all aspects of, of the city safer, better, and more vibrant? That's what I'm looking for in the next 60 days from these mayoralty candidates and for the coming three years from all of city council. All right. Thank you. Congratulations on your marriage as well. And, uh, you know, I, I teasingly say to some people when I have them on the show, when they bring up great ideas and maybe they should run for mayor. And I'm <laughs> saying that to you. Maybe you should be running for mayor, Kim. Just, you know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> I, I, always, I always appreciate it. Today is not that day. But uh, what I'll tell you is I you can often find me in uh, Toronto City Councils and city councils across across the country and uh, moving moving forward on issues that matter and finding solutions to move forward. I Hopefully the mayoralty it. candidates will take that advice too. All right. Thanks again, Kim.